0: love the Lord your God with all your strength to me means that I'm embodying it with my entire physical being so there's a a common pairing in my area where physical Health significantly impacts our mental health and it's kind of a pairing. By developing and feeling more confident in our physical abilities, we are therefore developing our mental capacity and strength and confidence to continue working. And again, it's kind of that positive cycle of developing our physical strength, positively impacting other areas of our lives. One of my favorite verses is uh, Philippians 4 verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. For me, I'm a person who really likes to be challenged by a very difficult movement, specifically like in fitness and exercise. complex movements are my favorite because you have to put so many pieces together, just like we do in our lives. We put so many pieces together to make something work well. So just like that, in developing our strength, we enjoy doing the hard things, but then how can we be ready to do those hard physical things? If we think about that in the service of God and how we can grow, how can we go beyond what our comfort zone is and say, you know what? It's okay, I'm gonna take a leap of faith and I'm gonna push myself. We can challenge our self limitations because God knows what we can do, all right? And he has faith in us, even when we don't have faith in ourselves, to challenge ourselves to the next level of whatever it is we feel like we should be doing. So we trust the process. We, we have faith in that process that we can grow and we can challenge ourselves and we can build up not just our physical strength, but our mental strength as well.
1: Thank you, Kim. Uh, would you stand with me as, uh, for the reading of the word? We're reading from Mark twelve twenty-eight 28 to 30, 30, 31, and it says this One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Have a seat. Uh, Welcome, everyone. Welcome, everyone. My name is Pastor Icky Taimi. I am the senior pastor of the church, as you can see. I say that in jest because because, uh, the conference that we used to work for before, every time I would go into the conference office, I'd walk around and someone at some point in the day, maybe even twice a day, they would say, hi, Icky. (laughs) And I'd be like, yeah, hello, hello, how's it going? And I'd have this conversation with this person as Icky timey. Uh, I'm not a preacher like Icky though, so, you know. Low expectations, please. This is a powerful statement. A powerful statement, something that we, we definitely need to be exercising out as much as we can. Um, but I'm going to introduce a little bit more of myself before we do, because there's something about me uh, that really resonates with this, with this message. Uh, so for one, many of you, or some of you, some of you know me, uh, and my name is Pono, Pono Lopez. Uh, but you don't know, or many of you don't know who know me, you don't know my, that my first name is actually Bronson. Bronson. Because my mom loved Charles Bronson. <laughs> yep. Powerful figure. All of the characters that he, uh, that he played were very strong, masculine figures. And so she, she was like, he is a good-looking man. The embodiment of masculinity at the time I want my son to do the same <laughs> My second name, William William, a little more s- sentimental uh, Was my, my grandpa uh, her, her dad who passed away when, he was, when she was 17 uh, just, just getting into senior year And she wanted to name me William Because she wanted me to carry on the spirit of my grandpa You know, it happens That's something that a lot of people do well, my third name, uh, because if you know me as pono, you actually don't know that, but pono is the middle of my middle name, and it's basically this. <laughs> <laughs> Kahanapuno <ake> Aloha. <laughs> go ahead and try to practice that at some point. Kan Kanhanapuno akiloha means "the good work of love." The good work of love, the reason why I was given this name was because I was only wanting, my mom only wanted to name me Pono, and she was like, I'm going to say Bronson William Pono Lopez, easy, right, easy, and then my last name, Lopez, right, there we go. This, is, this happens everywhere in Hawaii, by the way, you, my graduation, everyone had these names, it's like, uh, June, Kameo Kalanihala, Kim. All of, always. And Lopez, everybody, everybody always thought that I was Lopez, uh, that I was, I was Hispanic, um, and I'm, I can speak Spanish. And so so many people in California, every time when they see me, they, they, there's this one moment where they look at me and they, there's a confusion in their face, and then they start to speak to me in Spanish, and I have to tell them in English, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> so, so that's from the Filipino side, Lopez. There's some history with that, right? So, the reason why I was named this, the good work of love, was because at first I just wanted, my mom just wanted to name me Pono. She just wanted that and that alone. Um, but, but then my, my family was very much involved in the Hawaiian Renaissance at the time, and it was a common thing among the culture to, to name a Christian first name, then your Hawaiian name, which is typically the name that you went by, and then your last name, of course. Um, but that middle name... Uh, There's something about it. There's some kind of part of the spirit with with the middle name, with the understanding that the culture understood that when you give someone the name, it is a gift as something that they will eventually or maybe even immediately embody. So when they give you a name, they're expecting you to to show up in this way in the rest of the world. So not only is it a gift as a name, it is actually a responsibility, and it's a tough responsibility because if you look, I'm like, whoa, the good work of love, oh my gosh. But very early on, my mom would tell me all kinds of things about about why I was named the name, uh, the name, and how how when you are named something, you embody this name, and and and. Very early on, I'm, 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 I'm wrestling with this idea that this is what I'm supposed to be in the world. And I'll tell you what, I'm grateful. But I'm also scared. Because I don't always love people. <laughs> but the thing is, I do love people. The whole reason why I became a pastor was because I was like, yo, I really enjoy being around people. Of course, as the years went on, I realized that I love people less I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing. I actually really love people. I just don't want to interact with everyone. I mean, you can resonate. <laughs> but the good work of love. The good work of love was, was, was what I was called. And I am reminded of this every single time I hear my name. I'm reminded of this, of this responsibility every single time somebody says, Pono. When they go, Pono, I'm like, Ooh. I need to show up in this moment as a, as a good human being to you. But that's because of, 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 of the gift. That's because of, of this almost commandment that somebody had given me at one point and said, this is you, this is how you're going to show up, and you're going to keep on doing. Be the good work of love. And when I think of the work of love, I think of something my mother-in-law said to me when I, when I asked uh, for her permission to marry my wife. And she said this there are going to be moments in your marriage that are full of joy and love and fun and excitement those moments are when you're committed to the person then there are those moments where you will be in so much tension and so much stress and you may not even like the person in front of you those moments are when you are committed to the commitment you're committed to the work, I believe that these statements to be true for the church, especially when we are building community together. We are committed to the work of love. In the same way, or, or, or uh, uh, I believe that the kind of work is the strength that Jesus is referring to. This kind of work is the strength that Jesus is referring to. But the challenge that I have to this text is. To what standard? To what standard is this strength? Last week, Pastor Elizabeth mentioned that we can often measure intellectual knowledge very easily, but emotional knowledge is is much harder, much more nebulous, and yet intellect and emotion coexist and even cooperate uh, to make the experience of God something absolutely beautiful, for sure. We needed to question that standard of our understanding of the mind's abilities— to honor the greatest commandment. We needed that. In the same way, it's very possible that the standard of strength in our minds, as we read the text, we may not necessarily understand it the way that the scriptures understand strength. Our understanding of strength may not be the way that the scriptures understand strength. And let's continue reading on. Because this is, this is very important that we read verses 32 to 34. It says this. Well Well said, teacher. The man replied, You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Verse 34 says this, When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, this is my favorite part, no one dared ask him any questions. So my question is this, why, why not? Well, why not ask more questions? Well, to the first century Jewish person, this is a standard answer. What Jesus gives is a standard answer. What the man then accepts is a standard answer. But there's a disconnect happening here that that causes them to be silent. There's something going on that causes them to to question this. And all of a sudden, because they're having this great debate this, this back and forth debate that's happening throughout this, this, this whole chapter. And by this point, they are done. They, 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 they're silent. So there's a disconnect that happens that causes them to be silent. And it's something, it's something weird. And so, because if Jesus is stating a standard answer, what did they expect him to say? That's my question. It could be that there might, be, might have been confusion. There might have been some kind of confusion as to which commandment was the most important. For sure. Maybe, maybe that. Or it could be that the standards shifted a bit. The standards shifted a bit since the laws were written. The standard work of the Jewish community in the first century was very muddy at the time. And it's likely that the Roman occupation was so oppressive that the community couldn't unify under one single banner. And so every group had their own standards, had their own way of life, had their own understanding of the scriptures, and they couldn't agree on what was most important. Sound familiar? This is very familiar. Almost too real. And the different sects of people were trying to survive and revive. Revive their culture. Revive their way of life. Revive their Their understanding and relationship with God, even. It's hard to do this when your strength is beaten down by a world power like the empire. Sound familiar? So this is the standard. This is the standard that Jesus refers to. Is this it? The division? The separation? The infighting? The oppression, is this the standard of strength? The standard of people divided and reacting to oppression in their own way, or is it something else? Is it something different? Reuven Kimmelman, a professor of classical rabbinic literature at Brandeis University, has this to say about the word strength from Deuteronomy 6, from which Jesus is referring to. The word strength is me'od. Everybody say me'od. Me'od has a double meaning here. First, it means might, might, suggesting you must love the Lord with all your might. Second, it connotes financial means suggesting you must love the Lord with all your wealth and possessions. <laughs> I'm laughing because I don't have money. The problem here is that if we were to standardize loving God, loving others, and loving ourselves with our might and especially our financial means, I might not be able to do this, guys. (laughs) I'm buying a house right now with my wife, and I have to have my wife to buy the house (laughs) because I don't think a pastor's salary would hold up to this strength. The societal issues in the first century was that the interpretation of the text placed unreasonable expectations on the rest of the community. The religious leaders of the time complicated the laws in such a way that we just got muddy. And then the different sects of people were creating even more muddiness because of their understanding and so it was tough. It was tough to figure out who I belong to. Do I belong to the zealot? Do I belong to, to the Essenes? Do I belong to the Pharisees? Do I just follow the rabbis? Who do I follow? Who do I listen to? It even hints at this in verse 28 when it says, uh, or, or rather, let me, let me put it this way. Um, so what happens after that is that the religious leaders of the time complicated the law so much so much when the question was raised it was likely that this man this scribe uh, uh, has a genuine plea because he's listening and it says this verse 28 one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating noticing that jesus had given them a what a good answer he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? So he's, he's seeing that Jesus has something about it. He's he he speaking to something different, something, something real, something genuine. And he's genuinely asking Jesus, tell me, tell me, please, because I think that no one knows. And this is a scribe. This is somebody who's supposed to know this stuff. And he's going to Jesus and he's saying, you tell me, you tell me what I need to know about this right now. The work of loving God, loving others, and loving self was hijacked, hijacked by complicated expectations to serve the law for the sake of the law. And honestly, our society today is no different. We're no different from this. So considering communities, our standards are high. Our standards are very high. We standardize everything, and the standardization is very high, and in many cases, it is necessary Uh, for us to have high standards. It's very true. Um, My wife was telling me about her cousin bringing her her boyfriends around the family, and every time they would bring their boyfriends around the family, she felt really bad because the family always compared them to me. I had a good relationship with the family, and the family would always be like, well, you know Pono does this. and (laughs) And I told her, Good. She looks at me like, wow, ego. And I said, I'm pretty sure that I'm the bare minimum of how a man should be. I'm extremely immature. I say dumb things all the time. I have a foot in my mouth all the time. And I chose a pretty terrible job to help with financial stability. I gotta work hard to be a good person. And I actually believe that men should work hard to be good people. So yes, I do believe that our strength in light of our ability and effort should definitely be placed in a checks and balances. Yes, there is a standardization that we need to be able to agree on at some point. Somehow, we need to figure something out. But the problem is that we don't know how to measure this objectively. We don't know how to measure strength objectively. In fact, Pastor Icky loves CrossFit. I don't. If we measured love and care toward God and ourselves with the ability to lift weights on a bar like Pastor Icky does, then I'm I'm in trouble, guys. Or if we measured our minds ability to process intellectual information only and never the growth of the intellectual information, then, then we're we're struggling. We're struggling to love God well. Then everyone on Twitter especially is definitely far from loving God. You know, we've been mentioning professors lately and, and I had this professor once, John Webster, Dr. Webster. Dr. Webster in my class would never judge me on my performance <laughs> and I'm very grateful because I walked in and the very first test that he ever gives us, this landmarks test, never knowing anything about any of this stuff before, I literally get a 57 out of 134 That was my first test. I have it hung up in my office because I wanted to remind myself of how I will never have the most stress in my life other than this test. (laughs) Coming back, this is my biggest failure in academia. (laughs) But the reason why is because the growth process, the growth process throughout that class was what he measured me on. The process of going from this failure to something different too more, too different, too mature. Or how about measuring able-bodied people against people with disabilities? Our high standards of worship as love for God tells this group of people that you're not enough. There are times more often than not that our interpretation of the commandments of God, even the greatest commandment, tell people that they are not enough. Our interpretations of rigid religion through the lens of rigid religion tell people that they don't belong. They, they, you shouldn't be here because you're not here. Our standards of strength with our bodies, with our minds, and ultimately our souls can't hold up against our standards of rigid religion. If this is what it means to love God, love others, and love self, then our efforts can't cut it. We can't cut it. We can't do it. Whatever we do, won't do. But this is why Jesus' opponents shut up. This is why when he's he's standing there and he's going back and forth and finally someone lands this question and he lands that answer and that scribe is like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 that's it. That's it. You have said it rightly, and everybody else goes, "Whoo!" The disconnect is there, but the connection happens right at that very moment. This is why Deuteronomy 6 is Jesus' mic drop, because Deuteronomy 6 is a reminder of the core values, the core strength of what it means to live life as we do. In love with God, in love with others, in love with people, this is what we do. We do this very thing. Deuteronomy 6 is exactly that reference. And everybody is reminded in that very moment that this is how we interact in the world. All of these things that we have overcomplicated may be different because we are now here. That's right. Jesus just... Clarified everything and demolished so much in that very moment that it was hard to respond. It was difficult to respond. And Jesus' understanding of strength is not a new understanding but an ancient understanding. This value of strength is a value of effort and effort almost exclusively. And it is a value of commitment and commitment almost exclusively. So Jesus is saying that our strength is that we are committed to doing this. To loving God loving others and loving self we're committed this is what strength looks like the commitment to do this and he references Deuteronomy 6 and and and, and there's so much packed into that and we hear this more the reference that he take that takes place uh, even goes even further in verses 4 through nine and it says this and it's good good Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk to them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Verse eight says this. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. And write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Professor Kimmelman comments on verse 8 especially, and he says this. This verse, verse 8, refers to teflon, a small leather box with straps that Jews wear during prayer. They are placed on the upper arm, across from the heart, and on the head between the eyes. The boxes contain parchment scrolls with verses from the Shema in Hebrew. Tefillin connects to the meaning of me'od as might Symbolically, teflon are a means of harnessing one's might, physically on the arm, emotionally on, in the heart, and, it, and intellectually between the eyes. It somewhat follows the model of the Exodus 30, 13, 9, and 16, where the teflon worn on the hand evokes God's mighty hand delivering the Israelites from the bondage in Egypt. Deuteronomy 6 also references the same deliverance, the same deliverance in verse 10. It says this, when the Lord God has brought you out into the land that he swore to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you a land with fine, large cities that you did not build, houses filled with all sorts of goods that you did not fill, hewn cisterns that you did not hew. Vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you have eaten your fill, take care that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. It was not by their hand that they were delivered. Let me put it differently. It wasn't their strength that saved them and built things. It wasn't their strength. To the Jews, the one true God was the only strength that could do the work of the work. The only thing that Judah commands the reader, and this is their strength, this is the people's strength right here, is that they don't forget the Lord. That's your strength. Don't forget the Lord. That's it. This is how you love God, love others, and love yourself. You don't slave over the work just to slave over it. You don't work all of it until you're just gone, until your entire soul, your nefesh is just gone. That's not what strength looks like. You just don't forget You don't forget that the effort of your soul, which Pastor Raywin referenced as all of me, and your mind, which Pastor Elizabeth referenced as both intellect and emotion, is the offering, the offering to love, offering of love to these three bodies of beings. Love God, love others, love yourself. So what is the standard? What is the standard? Well, what is all of you? What is all of you? My very first yoga class that I ever took, my wife took me to it. And we were dating at the time and I was trying to impress her, or at least, you know, show up. It was a hot yoga class. I heard mercy from somebody. (laughs) It was a hot yoga class and I, yes, it's my sentiments exactly. In hot yoga, when you go in there, is they put it to, they put the, the temperature to Nebuchadnezzar <laughs> temperatures. As if they're trying to prove something. And, uh, and my wife bought me a, 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 a mat that was my size, which was very, very helpful. Um, later on, I realized that I had put it on the wrong side. And I'm sweating profusely, as I normally do. <laughs> But in hot yoga, in the fiery furnace, there's more of me on the ground. And I'm doing down dog and I turn into down whale. It just doesn't work. And I remember that moment because the, the teacher that she had, uh, who was also her boss at times, um, He was the owner of of the studio, and I heard him say to, uh, to Katie, he tried. And I was like, how do I take this right now? But the reason why that was meaningful was because their philosophy is best possible. Best possible. Whatever you can do in the moment, you do. Whatever you commit to in the moment, you commit to. As long as the commitment is there. As long as the commitment is there, you do it. You're there. You're present. You're in the moment. You're with us. I believe that your strength will always, always refer to the commitment you give to God, people, and yourself. What is all of you? I believe that your strength is what you offer as yourself, especially in light of these three statements. Love God, love others, love self. That is the call, that is the call of strength that God is calling us to. the, The Jewish community recites Deuteronomy 6 twice a day. This is a prime example of what it means to be committed to the commitment. Twice a day, morning when you wake up, in the evening when you go to sleep. Commitment. What is all of you? So here's my question, here's my last question. In what ways does your strength show its commitment?